Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter to all of you. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 24 and John chapter 20. You can open up your devices or your smartphones. If you downloaded the Nova Community Church app, the sermon notes are there and there's also a Bible there. Please turn to Luke chapter 24 and John chapter 20. I want to I want to lay it all on the table from the very beginning today. Today, we're not just celebrating the fact that it's a beautiful South Bay spring day winter. Our long, cold, brutal winter is finally over here in Southern California. We're not just celebrating that flowers are beginning to bloom again or that it's opening week in baseball and the Dodgers finally won a game last night. We're very thankful my nephew pitched a good game last night, um, and we're not just celebrating the fact that pale people are now able to turn color, I think, the uh, sun is out. Uh, we're here. We're here because people, because Christians believe Jesus Christ literally and physically was resurrected from the dead. We believe it. We don't think it was ethereal. We don't think that it was an analogy we don't think that it was some sort of metaphor for life. We don't think sort of like uh, Christ was down and he got up, and so when you're down, you can get up too. That's really not our message today. We believe Jesus Christ was physically and literally murdered. He was killed on a cross, that he was in the grave from Friday afternoon till Sunday morning, and on Sunday morning, he physically resurrected from the dead. And we've embraced that, and we have embraced every implication of that. Now, I know not all of you believe that. You're here today, and I'm glad you're here today, but I know that not everyone believes that that's here in this room today, that's watching on a video or listening to this sermon later this week. But I simply just want to talk about this because you've got to do something with Jesus Christ. A few days ago, I was uh, at a grand opening of a business here in Torrance, in the Chamber of Commerce, the Torrance Area Chamber of Commerce comes and cuts a ribbon on um, businesses that are, that are starting and joining the chamber, and there were local politicians there, and I was there to support my son who works at that office, and, and I was there and just talking to some of the leaders, and um, uh, then the regional manager of that office came by and she said, hey, uh, I heard you're a pastor. Um, Matt told me you're a pastor, and, and would you pray over our office after all the festivities are over? And I said, sure, I could, I could do that. And then she said, um, just one thing. She said, you know, there's, there's all sorts of beliefs and faiths represented in this office, just sort of all different people believe different things. And so if you can make your prayer kind of, um, and this is the universal sign for don't say Jesus in your prayer, okay? Uh, uh, and, uh, and I said, I, said I, I could do that. I, I could certainly do that. And she said, thank you. And then they went off and they were getting ready for this celebration. Well, I was standing next to a bunch of regional business leaders and local politicians. The mayor and the city council people were there. And they heard that whole conversation. <laughs> and then so later I'm talking to one of the guys and, and he says, um, well, I'm really glad you're going to do that because, you know, people believe all sorts of things. And I said, yeah. And he says, you know, we all are going to, we're all going to end up in the same place, right? 
And I said, well, I said, uh, he says, well, you and me, you and me, we believe different, but, you know, everyone else, it's going to be okay. And I said, well, I said, this is a really big week for us. And he says, oh, it's Easter week. I I understand that. And I said, Easter is, is a really big day. And I said, on that day, what we're doing is we're celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And he says, oh, yeah, 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 you and me, we got that. But everyone else, and, and, and I said, okay. And we had further conversations about how Jesus said, I am the way, and I'm the truth, and I'm the life, Jesus said, and no one comes to the Father but through me. You see, Jesus Christ is the most famous man in the world regardless of continent or country. He's the topic of more debate He is someone that's included in the writings of the world's major religions, not for who he really is, but you know that Jesus Christ appears in the Koran? Not as a son of God. But everyone has to do something with Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, what are you going to do with him today? In particular, I want to start off with, what are you going to do with the resurrection? Because that's what we're here, that's what we're, we're all about today. And if the resurrection is true, then it's all true. If the resurrection is not true, then none of it's true. If Christ was literally raised from the grave, then we have all the reason in this world to have hope. And if he did not rise from the grave, then the Bible itself says, do you know that the Bible itself says that if Jesus Christ did not rise from the grave, that Christians are to be pitied above all people. That's what the Bible says. Luke chapter 24. Verse 1 says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. When they came back to the tomb, they told all these things To the eleven and to all the others, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because the words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lined by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Let's be honest here. Let's be intellectually honest here. You see, secular historians have done so much research and have so many different theories trying to describe what actually happened with the claim of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's so obvious in the objective historical evidence that something happened during that time. And four dominant theories rise to the top about the resurrection of Christ by those who do not believe that he rose from the dead. Now think about that. There's so much historical evidence that something happened. There have been scholarly dissertations 
written, research done on what happened by people who have no intention of ever worshiping or believing in Jesus Christ. There are four predominant theories. Let's, let's, let's take a look at them just one by one. The first theory is this. They went to the wrong tomb. Now, this theory is that the women were so distraught in their grief that they showed up to the wrong tomb. So they ran back and told the others, and then a very upset Peter ran also to the wrong tomb. Now, maybe I've gotten lost before. How many have gotten lost before? Sure. With Google Maps, it's hard to get lost, but even Google Maps, right? I've been taken to wrong places, even with Google Maps. And I know humanity, and I'm not trying to say that what people experienced wasn't traumatic. But if they just went to the wrong tomb, think about this, and as Christianity began to spread like wildfire, and religious and political leaders were trying to destroy the faith, wouldn't they just have sort of went to the right tomb? and rolled out the body and said, hey guys, here's the dead body of Jesus. You see? But that didn't happen. The theory, the first theory they have is they went to the wrong tomb. Second theory is this, they hallucinated the resurrection. Now maybe, once again, because I've been around a lot of people who have experienced traumatic loss. As the uh, police chaplain for the Torrance Police Department for over 27 years, we get called out to a scene a lot of times, and, and the officers are there, and there's something that traumatic happened, a, a, a suicide, a homicide, a kidnapping, something like that. And the officers show up, and they're investigating, they're, they're doing their investigative work, and, and the family there is traumatized. And so many times they'll call a chaplain out. We partner with the police officers to take care of the family so the officers can concentrate on their investigative work. And I've sat with families before. I, I, I've... I've been sitting, I've, I've sat with a mom before whose baby died of a SIDS death, and she's sitting there and she's trying to pull her hair out. I've, I've, I've seen dads, because their child have, has been harmed, they're hitting themselves. I, I've seen people just go to the bottle and try to drink as much alcohol as they can to numb the pain. I've seen people that I think were hallucinating because of traumatic loss. But the problem with this theory is this. Jesus in his resurrected body appeared not to just this person over here who was hallucinating and her, she was hallucinating too, and that guy over there was hallucinating. He appeared to hundreds of people at the same time. And there's no evidence, not much evidence at all, for a group hallucination because of a loss. It's a theory that really holds no water. Third theory is this, Jesus swooned. And this one is, has... has, has uh, had the most traction over the last few hundred years. The swoon theory goes like this. Jesus, having been severely beaten, hanging on the cross, blacked out because of loss of blood and because of the beatings he endured, and they mistakenly believed he was dead, and so they pulled him off the cross, but he wasn't dead, and they put him in the tomb, and, and he was buried when he was still alive, but fainted or in a comatose state. Now, if we're being honest here, historically, there's a ton of information. It's hard to even think about, but there's a ton of information of people who, whose families or maybe even doctors thought they died, and so they'll take them away and bury them in the ground, but they're still alive, and there's plenty of evidence, historical evidence, that people have done that. 
it's kind of horrific to, to think about that. And maybe there's something to this then. It has happened before, so maybe they're on to something. Maybe Jesus just swooned. Maybe he fainted. Maybe he was in a coma and kind of pulled himself together while he was in the tomb. And he crawled out, somehow in a miracle, moved the stone away by himself. And he started walking around and people thought, he has risen from the dead. David, David Friedrich Strauss, who was a secular historian, writes this. He says, It is impossible that a being who, was half stole, who had stolen half dead out of the sepulcher, that's the tomb, who crept about weak and ill, wanting medical treatment, who required bandaging, strengthening, and indulgence, and who still at last yielded to his sufferings, could have given to the disciples the impression that he was a conqueror over death in the grave and the prince of life. So secular historian Strauss is arguing that there is no way if Jesus truly swooned, if he fainted, and having the flesh ripped off of his back and a spear shoved up inside of his ribcage, piercing his heart, and being nailed through his hands and his feet on a cross, could have crawled out of the grave and instilled to his followers that he had conquered death and he was now the prince of life. Even honest secular historians would say, I don't think so. I just don't think so. Fourth theory, just four predominant theories is the body was stolen. Now this is a popular theory that the disciples stole the body of Jesus and then made up the resurrection so that they can further their uh, master's teaching. So again, maybe. There has been some crazy things with cults and other religions, so sure, why, why not? I think a couple reasons this can't be true. First, historically and biblically, and, they're pretty, and they're, they're, they overlap, really, historic, historically and biblically. We read in the Bibles, we read in our Bibles that the disciples were sort of cowardly morons, Right? The Bible's very honest when it describes them as pretty incompetent throughout the Gospels. In fact, if you say, the Bible's filled with inconsistencies, it's, it's filled with inaccuracies, inaccuracies, and maybe the writers are sort of writing fairy tales, and I'm saying that they didn't, because if they did, they would have taken a lot of stuff out, like Jesus' main men being as incompetent as they were, brings me hope that no one really messed with the Bible. For example, Jesus is telling this great story. He's saying, um, there's a farmer, and he's planting seed, and the seed's going in the ground. And this is a key story, a parable that he's telling his disciples. His disciples are gathered around, and they're going, oh, yeah, this is a good story, Jesus. We, we get it. We really get it. And then Jesus finishes the story, walks away, and the disciples look at each other and say, what did he say? What, what did he mean? I mean, Jesus is like, are you serious? This is so important to us right now. Let me explain it to you. These are Jesus' guys. These are his main men. This is his A-team that he picked. Remember Jesus called Peter Satan? You remember that? I mean, and then the disciples are constantly bickering about who's going to be number one in the kingdom while Jesus is giving a seminar in humility. Give me a break here. Peter says to Jesus, you're the son of God. And Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon Peter, because you've been talking with the Father. I could tell. 
And Jesus says, I've got to go to Jerusalem now and suffer many things. And Peter says, may it never be, Lord. And then Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. So if Jesus calls you the devil, how do you get over that, right? <laughs> the disciples really don't have any special skills, some fishing and some, some money gathering. And suddenly they've turned into SEAL Team 6. I mean, they, they go to the grave, and, and, and they're like uh, stealthy commandos. They, they go to Jesus' grave, and they're thinking they're going to steal the body. And so the Roman guards, they put him to sleep somehow. They roll away the stone. They grab the body. And yet, knowing that if they just stole the body and they're telling this lie that he was resurrected, every single one of them was tortured or killed to protect this lie. Not one of them denies Jesus. Not one of them breaks at all. They crucified Peter. Peter says, you can't crucify me like you crucified my Lord, so crucify me upside down. They said, we'll do it. And so they did, and he died that death, and he doesn't break. John, who wrote the book of Revelation, the, the church tr tradition says that they put him in a pot of boiling water and try to boil him he died and it so freaked him out because he didn't die that they grabbed him and they put him in the deserted island of Patmos and no one recants also keep in mind that these guys were family I mean Peter had a wife and they were family men and no one recants no one calls it off no one denies Jesus and they're all trying to hold up this lie that they stole his body and yet kept the story alive as they were slaughtered one by one and not just them, but hundreds of others went to their death also because no one would break because there was no lie. The theories around what did happen simply can't bear any weight. You try to put any weight on it, and they just crumble. So, if you're still a doubter, let's take a look at the story of the world's most famous doubter from the Bible. Thomas is the most famous doubter of the resurrection. And I think Thomas helps us because I think a lot of us here are asking, um, is it possible for modern-day people to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Can Thomas give us any help here? And, and still, truth be told, let, let's be real honest, just real talk amongst Christians here. I think all of us, at times, we doubt. Doubt kind of creeps in sometimes we're not real proud of it but doubt still creeps in so today let's look at, look at thomas and watch and see how he moves from skepticism to faith and this will speak to doubters and believers alike take a look at john chapter 20 verse 24 it says now thomas also known as didymus one of the 12 was not with the disciples when jesus came so the other disciples told him we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And then Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, Thomas, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
So why was Thomas so skeptical anyways, and how did Thomas come to believe in the resurrection? Let's take a look at this, it, and it's, um, how can I believe in the resurrection? Let's sort of hitch along with where Thomas is at right here. And the first is this, to listen to eyewitnesses, to listen to eyewitnesses. In, in our text today, we just read uh, John chapter 20. In verses 19 through 24, it, it tells us that Jesus appears to the, to the disciples, not Thomas, but to, to all of his friends, and, and he appears to them as, a, as a, a resurrected Christ. And then in John chapter 20, verse 25, Thomas's friends, the disciples keep telling him, Thomas wasn't there, so they keep telling him, Thomas, we've seen him alive. Thomas, yesterday I saw Jesus, we talked, we had coffee or something like that. You know, we were, we were together. He's alive, Thomas. Thomas hasn't seen him yet. And Thomas just tells his friends, I, I can't believe it. There's just no way in the world. There's a sense that Thomas is in the very same spot that you and I are in at times. And he has access to what you and I have access to. And I'm calling this eyewitness accounts. The eyewitness accounts were from people who were alive at the time. And we have these very same eyewitness accounts that are written down in the New Testament. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are their eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. Now some of you are thinking once again, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Aren't the New Testament documents legends? Aren't they just sort of fairy tale sort of things? Weren't they written long after the events took place? They can't be trustworthy. You might be surprised to know that there's a ton of scholarship that argues that the Gospels do not have the marks of fiction. Rather, they have the marks of oral history and eyewitness testimony. In ancient documents, in ancient documents, to prove authenticity, you would name eyewitnesses that saw the things that, that, that you were writing about. And the eyewitnesses should be alive so that you can go to them and say, hey, uh, I read this, did this really happen? And they'll say, oh yeah, I was, I, was, I was there. In only 20 years, just 20 years after Jesus was killed, buried, and resurrected, the Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas. You see, he's naming people that are still alive. He appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, he's naming people, and after that, he says, he appeared to more than 500, at the same, uh, 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. And the reason he writes this is because they can get this letter and say, we're going to find the people that actually saw Jesus alive. These are eyewitness testimony, eyewitness accounts. Paul could not have written this unless it was true that there were eyewitnesses that are still alive at the time. The Bible's filled with eyewitness accounts. In John chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus says, Because you've seen me, Thomas, you have believed. And then he goes on to say this, because he's talking to us right here now. Jesus said, Blessed are those who have not seen, that's us, and yet have believed. Let me ask you a question. How many events of world history do you, did you actually see? Um, how many of you believe that the American Revolution Civil War actually happened? I think we do. How many of you were there? <laughs> right? I mean, we can go down the line. I mean, uh, World War I, World War II, I mean, there, there has to be some people that, that, that were eyewitnesses of, of World War II that are here. 
And so you can go and ask them, was it true? How about um, uh, uh, a man walking on the moon? I was there. I mean, I wasn't on the moon, but I, I was in a Edison Elementary School here in, in, in North Torrance, and the teacher would pull in that audiovisual cart with a TV on it, right? A big square box. She'd plug it in and, and move those rabbit ears around and try to get the, the fuzzy picture, and then there it was Neil Armstrong walking on the moon. I was there. It seems absurd to some of you to think, no, that didn't happen. I mean, we can go on and on. I mean, uh, the, the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989. Communism began to crumble with the, the crumbling of the Berlin Wall. And, and I saw that on TV. I even have a piece of the Berlin Wall at home. And some of you didn't see it, but you believe it to be true. I mean, we can go down to uh, September 11th, 2001. Some of you weren't even born yet. And some of you were born, but you don't remember because you were too young. But there was a coordinated attack of terrorists on the East Coast. And those twin towers, I saw them fall. Just crumbled into themselves. The reason you believe that historical events actually happen is you believe in eyewitness testimony. So I encourage you to do this, is to read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We'll give you a Bible out there, just free. It's, it's easy to read, and, and when you read them, read them as eyewitness accounts. It'll change your life. And then next Sunday, we're going to start a new series called A New Hope. And what we're going to talk about is the very end of those Gospels in the beginning of the New Testament book of Acts. And we're going to trace what happened after Jesus rose from the dead. How did that church start? A new hope is the church that began during that time. The first way to overcome unbelief is, number one, listen to the eyewitnesses. The second is this, to know that Jesus is reaching out to you. Some of you have come today because you're searching. You're you're, you're searching. And and today, some of you will discover that Jesus is seeking you out because most of us who, who have found God um, when we find God, we realize, oh, it wasn't just me searching. It was Jesus looking after me. He was reaching out to me. So how, how do we know this according to what Thomas saw? Because it, why is it that Thomas, the week his friends all saw Jesus alive, and he couldn't believe because he didn't see Jesus alive, and Thomas says, I'm not going to believe until I get to touch his wounds, right? I get to put my hand where the wounds are in his hands. And then Jesus shows up to this room that Thomas is at. And he says, hi, Thomas. Hey, put your hands on my side. See the wounds right here? And Thomas says, how did you know what I was thinking? How did you know that I said, I won't believe until I get a touch? How did you know, Jesus? Why is Thomas so shocked? You see, in verse 27 and 28 of our text, Thomas says, uh, Jesus says to Thomas, put your hands here. Uh, reach your hand and touch my side. And then Thomas steps back and says, my Lord and my God. He instantly believes. Thomas realizes that Jesus is with him and has been listening and following him all along. It happens to us all the time. I remember about eight years ago, our kids were teenagers. They were living at home still. They were high school students here at West High. And I'm just watching TV, sitting on the couch, just having a relaxing weekday, weeknight. And my daughter's on the computer right next to me. And she, uh, she reaches, she just says, hey, Dad. And I said, yeah, honey. And she says, Mom, I talked to Mom, and, and, and um, Mom told me I should tell you. 
So I said, okay. And she says, I just want you to know, I don't believe in God anymore. And I was just wrecked on the inside when I heard those words. I never thought I'd hear those words. I was just broken on the inside. But being a, 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 a parent of a teenager, I knew you, you can't show, right? You don't, don't show here. And so I said, oh, okay, honey, um, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, I'll be praying for you. And on the inside, I'm just wrecked, you know? My daughter just told me she doesn't believe in God anymore. And, and you, you see, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and um, my whole, I gave up my career, my, my, my calling to, that people would come to know Jesus and that they would believe in God. And I, and, and I felt like a failure. My own daughter says I don't believe in God anymore. And so I said, okay, honey, I said, um, we're, we'll be praying for you, and, and if you want to talk at all, I, I'd like to listen to why you don't believe in God anymore, and I, and I just want to, I want to, I, I actually didn't know what to do. I mean, there's, this is not a seminar on how to be a dad to a teenager who just said, I don't believe in God anymore. I, I just, you know, I, I didn't know what to do. I, I said, okay. And then she went on a journey, and Maybe about two years later, she's in, in college, away in college, and we get a phone call, and, and uh, she says, can you put me on speakerphone to her, her, to her mom, and, and her mom brings, and we're huddled around an iPhone, and we're listening to her, and it's, it's college, and so there's kids yelling and screaming, and it sounds like a party, and you know, all that stuff, and she says to us with a lot of emotion, she says, I found Jesus. And there is a sense that if you're searching or even if you're not searching, that Jesus is, is got you. He's following you. And he, he just needs you to just turn to him and say, I, I choose you. Even though I don't believe now and I'm searching, and, and there's a sense that Jesus is reaching out to you, and that's why you're here today. I don't know if someone dragged you because there's an Easter egg hunt or good food or, or, or what, an In-N-Out burger on the welcome gift or, or whatever, but you know what? Jesus is reaching out to you today. Listen to the eyewitness testimony and know that Jesus is reaching out to you. The third way to overcome unbelief is understand the meaning of Jesus' wounds. This is really cool. The, the text is really all about Thomas not believing until he touches Jesus, right? He says, I, I need to touch, I need to see. And, and Jesus shows him, okay, touch my wounds. And does Thomas touch? No, he doesn't. Isn't that something? Why not? See, Thomas thought the wounds were mainly evidence that Jesus was alive. He says, if I, unless I see those gaping wounds, unless I touch, I, I won't believe. But then he actually sees them, that they were evidence of something else. And so what, what were they evidence of? Why would a resurrection body have wounds in it anyways? That's my question. If you have a perfect body not subject to death, why would you have scars and wounds in it? Because for those of us who believe that we're going to get a resurrection body someday, I think about this earthly body sometimes, and I think, I hope some of these things on this body aren't in my resurrection body, right? Right? Everyone with me? More hair, hopefully. I always wanted longer arms, you know? Um, <laughs> Just all sorts of things. 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. The writer is not saying our earthly problems are small in comparison to our resurrection bodies. That's not what he's saying. Rather, he's saying this, our sufferings are preparing us for eternal glory. Our biggest wounds in our life drive us to God. And when Jesus says to Thomas, Thomas, look at my wounds, it was the second time Thomas saw those wounds. The first time was on the cross. Thomas saw those wounds being inflicted on Jesus, and he thought, this is ruining Jesus' life. And this is ruining my life, too, Thomas thought. And Jesus comes back and says this, the wounds that you thought were ruining your life has saved your life. I took up the sins of the world, Jesus said, and put them to death on the cross so that all who believe in me will live. Thomas' first thought was, I want to see the wounds because the wounds are evidence that Jesus is alive. And Jesus says, no, no, no. The wounds are evidence that I love you. And because of that, Thomas didn't need to touch those wounds anymore. So how do I overcome unbelief? I listen to eyewitnesses. I know that Jesus is reaching out to me. I understand the meaning of Jesus' wounds, and the last one is this. The fourth is, I need to let go of my conditions. Probably the reason why Thomas didn't touch was he realized that at that moment, what he said in, in verse 25 of our text in John chapter 20, Thomas said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his, into his side, I will not believe. Everyone who wants to believe in Jesus starts with conditions, right? You believe because you want something from Jesus, which means you've got conditions. And so you say, I'll believe in Jesus if he heals me of my disease. Or I'll believe in Jesus if I don't have to give a lot of money to the church. I'll believe in Jesus if I don't have to stop um, uh, drinking beer or if I don't have to stop this or that. And, And everyone has conditions. Everyone has something that they don't want to give up. But I want to encourage you to drop your conditions. Because the condition is saying, I'll love you or I'll believe in you if. There's strings attached. And Jesus didn't do that. He died for you unconditionally. No conditions. He didn't die for more worthy people. He didn't look at people and say, I'll just die for the good ones or I'll die for the ones that are better than all of you right here. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, Jesus looks deep, deep into our life and sees all of you. He sees all the good, all the successes, all the achievements in your life, and he sees all the bad. He sees all the pain. He sees your depression. He sees your anxieties. And then he gives up his life for you without conditions. So to the follower of Jesus today and to the skeptic, Jesus would say to you, stop doubting and believe. I need to tell you that all that really matters is of first importance. Jesus Christ died on the cross for the redemption of your sin. He was put in a tomb, and three days later, the power of God brought him back to life, showing us his power and his love for every one of us and giving us a new hope that can never be taken away. God loves to bring hope to the hopeless. He loves to bring life to those who feel dead. 
And maybe today, you walked into this room a doubter. My hope is that today, you see the truth of the resurrection. And because it's true, it'll transform your life. Let's pray together.